Blog Talk Radio. Granny Hawkster and Big Twin. Oh, my mic is on? I can actually, you know, talk this week? Oh, what a yeah. shot. Wow. Welcome back to Monday. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's Monday night I, I, again. I found the unmute button for you, and, uh, you know, uh, hey, welcome back. Uh, you know, uh, I know that... Uh, you know, you were uh, kind of uh, despondent last week and not being able to say anything. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, the unmute button will uh, work today. Uh, we're we're using uh, different equipment today, so everything should work out fine. We hope. We hope. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, uh, real quick here, we want to thank uh, we want to thank some of our new sponsors. We want to thank uh, Bad Diesel Magazine. Uh, you can uh, always go on uh, eBay and you can look up uh, Bad Diesel Magazine on uh, Facebook and on the web, uh, on the World Wide Web to uh, order new copies and back issues. Uh, you can also uh, uh, check them out, uh, you know, uh, in August when uh, our full page ad will start uh, showing up uh, in August where we're going to have uh, the cover model. Uh, and uh, most of the star cover models from Bad Diesel Magazine, we're going to be doing that in August to them. Uh, we also want to send out a thank you to the Fargo Invaders. Uh, they pitch our show during every home football game, so we want to thank them for their continued support and all that they do. Unfortunately, our game uh, last weekend was uh, uh, forfeited, so we won the game 2 to nothing. Uh, because the Bismarck Black Wolves, uh, they forfeited. And uh, as you know, from the last time we had the league president on, when a team forfeits, the uh, you win the game two to nothing. I, I think it should be a little more than that, but that's just me. 
And also want to thank GameDay.Global for their continued support. They make custom rings for any team. Uh, They're going to start getting into making high school rings. Uh, You can get a... You can get a Minnesota Vikings ring. You can get a Dallas Cowboys ring. You can get a Kansas City Chiefs ring. Eventually, you'll be able to get a, uh, a Attitude Era Live ring. And the rumor is they might even be making uh, icon rings with my face on it. So if you uh, are in the ring and you're wearing the ring and you're about to punch some one of your opponents, they'll, the last thing they see before they get knocked out is my face. So tell nice. me, is that not awesome? And one so thing I saw, speaking of your face, yeah. saw um, you know your Facebook uh, with the Puffamania North Dakota Championship, or whatever. Sylvester Fox uh, had a big role in that. I saw his face all over your Facebook today. Yeah, he likes to tag me. Uh, you know. Um, no yeah, he had he had uh, his red suit. He had his red suit on with everything, and hmm? uh, I guess, well, no, uh, were you yeah, at that event? Me. Were you at I, that I event, Icon? Uh, I was not. I was supposed to be as the guest bill ring, uh, guest bell ringer. However, I was unable to attend because I got called into work. So it mm. that's. Things happen. You should have came up with a cooler uh, excuse, though. Just be like, I had, like, explosive diarrhea, dude, and couldn't come in. You know what I mean? Something cool well, like that. Well, I, I got a better excuse. I just didn't want to see Sylvester J. Fox in his uh, granny beater suit. Um, mm, mm. Well, you had the uh, the red the red suit on, yeah, with the golf club and everything. We somehow should have should have found a way to get to get a mole in there, called him up on Zoom, and had had him talk to Granny on Zoom so she could have seen him and stuff, you know. But well, yeah, well. that's what, that's not we know he we, we know he loves she loves Sylvester J. Fox. So no, I don't that's love Sylvester J. Fox. I thought he was your buddy. You've been, you've been drinking something there, Big Swing. I do not love <laughs> Sylvester J. Fox. I despise that man. The rumor oh, is I thought he was your buddy. In Fourteen months. The rumor is that 14 months, if we can make things happen, uh, Granny and uh, Sylvester J. Fox might get to meet face-to-face. And we let everybody know that now. Uh, more details uh, throughout the year <laughs> as they come. But yeah, more details later. Stay tuned, fans. August um, August of 2022, uh, we're going to uh, – Attitude Air Live is going to sponsor the first-ever icon happening. The weekend of the 13th, 14th, and 15th. Right now, uh, we have Diana Rivers coming, and we have Deb Gardner coming. And our goal is to do the show live for our fans in person at that event. So that's why we're planning it a year from now to uh, make sure that Granny and Big Swing can set their schedule to come on out here for that. So Mm -hmm. we can do that for our new radio station, 1089.1 where we will be launching full-time on August 9th, which is 8-9, and we're going to be on 89.1. So for those of you keeping track at home, that's how that will work. And uh, there will be more people that will be able to listen to our show by going into kensfm.com. So, yes. And as long as we're nice. going through this year real quick, 
I might as well go ahead and give our list tonight. We're going to have uh, Sid Davey on tonight. Uh, the Now, I know that everybody's uh, going to kind of say, well, you know, you're only pandering because you're a Vikings fan. Well, this particular individual Vikings fan has been, uh, been in national magazines. He's been on uh, national television. He's been uh, – he was known for catching Randy Moss after he had his first touchdown. He's the one that started the Moss toss. He's going to talk to us about that. Uh, so I'm sure that you guys, as non-Viking fans, will have a few things to ask him about. Just be nice. And we're also going to have Evan Ginsberg, who uh, was a uh, producer in the movie The Wrestler. I'm sure you guys have seen that. And we're going to have Kevin Casey Cordell on with us as well. And uh, we're going to talk to him. He's uh, tagging in, unfortunately. Uh, our special guest, uh, Mrs. X Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, had a little issue, had to go back to the UK. So instead of being on with us in the morning at 3.30 there in the UK, uh, she will be on with us in October. Uh, and that, well, actually she'll be in there, here with us the first week in November, and that has already been confirmed. So, So stay tuned for that. And if you want to know who else we got coming up in the next few weeks, you got to go to our website, <clears throat> Off the Ropes, uh, and you can also got to check out our new fan page, uh, which is actually dedicated to uh, Big Swing. I had no idea if you knew this or not, but you and I are actually pretty popular with the ladies on the internet. There's actually a new oh, fan really? site called Ladies. Yeah, there's actually a new uh, Facebook page called Ladies of Attitude Era Live. I saw that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, you've heard of the Nitro Girls. You've heard I of have. the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. Of course. Now, you get to hear the ladies of A-E-L, Attitude Air Live. So check that out. Hmm. And uh, fans that are, uh, that are listening from uh, that uh, website right now off of that Facebook page, uh, be listening throughout the show. Uh, we will be naming a wrestler of the week. So if you're listening to the show, and uh, when I put on the Attitude Air Live page there, uh, who that uh, asking for that person, you send me a message, and you get qualified to win an autograph from one of our guests from past shows or this week. Or if you're nice to me, I'll let you maybe even pick who you get an autograph from. So uh, there's a lot of stuff brewing on Attitude Air Live, and guess what? COVID didn't stop us. Nothing can stop us. We are chugging along with what we're doing. And we want to thank our fans for sticking with us because we're going to entertain you, and we got a whole lot of guests coming up in the next uh, two years because we're booked up until the end of 2022. Yeah. So. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, Icon, uh, I really, you know, I had that big meeting that I had to do, and and I, uh, you know, I missed it. But I, I really was looking forward to potentially talking to Ahmed Johnson. Um, I, I'm kind of upset that I didn't get to do that, but uh, you know, hopefully he'll be back. Hopefully next time I'll be able to. He'll be back. So. Did you know that? Did you know that he played for the Cowboys? Uh, I, I did briefly, yes. He played for the Cowboys in 1990 and 1991. 
and uh, he really uh, enjoyed your uh, uh, your uh, your uh, how about them cowboys? Because he was in the locker room at that time, so he knew about that sound blade. Ah. Okay. So our next guest should be calling in soon. They'll be calling from a Minnesota number. And uh, I believe that is so. Anyway, just, uh, you know, just to kind of go over a few things. Um, wait for our first guest. Well, well it's, it's, it's a 604, right? Uh. Let me look here. Just to make sure we have had, you know, we have had some prank calls, as you know. Well, let me find out for sure. Yeah, we don't want any yeah. prank calls, no. You don't have it, like, written down or anything? Or... Well, I do. That's why I'm, I'm looking through my notes. So... Could be six oh four, but uh, Oh my goodness, here. <laughs> like how we can't really have the dead air. Where do you put these numbers? Well, uh you said we have a six oh four is British now? Columbia. Okay. Do you know anybody is is the first caller from British Columbia? No, the first caller is from Minneapolis. Alright, well who's on from British Columbia? What's up? Yeah, it's a Davey, 100% cheese-free. That's where I live is in British Columbia. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All, right. So, all right. So let me go ahead and real quick here give you your uh, uh, um, your introduction, and then uh, we'll have you do the liner, and then we'll uh, introduce you, okay? Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping off of the football field, into the green room, into the ring, right now, the biggest. The baddest, the most terrorizing Vikings fan in history. Next to me, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Sid Davy. Sid Davy, 100% cheese-free here. Skull Vikings. Hey, Sid, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, here's what we're going to do here. Uh, we're going to have some uh, fun with this interview here. Uh if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll have some fun with the uh, interview. Well, what kind of background would you like? Well, uh, basically how uh, you became known as one of the uh, most recognizable Viking fans there is. Well, how how I actually became the fan face of the Minnesota Vikings was in uh, 1998. On uh, November 15th, that uh, was the first time that I caught Randy Moss. And Randall Cunningham threw him a 61-yard bomb, and Randy Moss caught that ball in stride against the Cincinnati Bengals. And as he's crossing the goal line, he made eye contact with me, and I gave him a hand gesture to jump to me. And he came uh, running full speed at me, jumped at me, uh, and I caught him underneath his shoulder pads, and I ripped him into the stands. And uh, and uh, when I ripped him into the stands, I had never done it before, and... Uh, I, I ripped him in so hard, I pulled him right on top of my wife, and uh, he's trying to get his, his balance back, and his knees are on top of the wall, and he, he like, pushed off on my wife's breast. 
<laughs> he, he he was all worried there that uh, he'd done something wrong, and uh, my wife says, "Well, it's okay, Randy." <laughs> so after after he regained his uh, his balance, I put a big bear hug on him, and I I just held him on the wall, and I you know like I just didn't want to let him go there, like. And I have a big bear hug on him, and Chris Carter is directly below me. And uh, Chris Carter's there. Come on, man! Come on, man! You got to give him back! You got to give him back! And like I had him on the wall for over a minute, and I just wouldn't take that bear hug off him. So, so finally, Chris begged me enough that I, I lowered him back down to the field, and Chris went and uh, gave him a big hug after I, I put him down the field. And then the next day, they had a picture of me on the Star Tribune catching Randy Moss. It said, uh, a roaring fan gathers some moss. And it said underneath it, uh, a lucky fan thought he had a great souvenir to take home to the kids, but he didn't read the disclaimer on the back of the ticket stating that if you catch a flying player, you have to return him to the field. So that was, a, <laughs> that was the start of, uh, start of me catching Randy Moss. And that one... Uh, not only ended up on the Star Tribune, but that one ended up in Sports Illustrated in January. And uh, it ended up being on his Rookie of the Year plaque. And uh, after that, he just, uh, every time he got a touchdown in my end zone, uh, he just kept on jumping to me. And uh, <laughs> I you know, just uh, kept going for, for years and years and years. And uh, like he, even after Randy Moss left the Minnesota Vikings, uh, he invited me out to New England in 2008, you know, uh, you know, to, to catch him out there, and uh, so I figured, you know, what the heck, I'll, I'll, I'll go out to New England, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll catch him out there. And but uh, then Brady got injured in the first game of the year, and I thought, oh, gee, what's the chances of Randy Moss getting a, a touchdown with Brady being out? But I figured out oh, what the heck, I'll come out anyway since he's invited me. So I go out to New England, and uh, sure enough, uh, Matt Castle was the quarterback at the time, and. Uh, you know, he throws a 33-yard pass to Randy Moss, and you know Randy Moss got hit a couple times, you know, before even getting into the end zone. But like uh, Randy wasn't going to get stopped by nobody, and uh, he he was determined to make that jump, and uh, he did. He made the jump, and I pulled him into the stands in New England, and it was like a an avalanche with the fans just you know like wanting to touch Randy and everything, and. Uh, and uh, like uh, my horns got ripped off my head. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> it, it was just you crazy. I couldn't, have, uh... I couldn't buy a beer there. Everyone's trying to buy me beers, and uh, uh, like there's there's one fan there. His name was Mr. Freeze. He was like New England's biggest fan, and he was uh, sitting on like the the twenty yard line front row, and I was in the end end zone, and he was just you know harassing me all game long, giving me you know the the, the slit throat remarks, you know the sit sit the slit throat gestures with his, his thumb across his throat there. And, you know, I'm giving him, you know, I'm, I'm squishing your little head with my, uh, between my fingers there, right? <laughs> he just gets right pissed off at me. But then when Randy Moss jumped to me, he gave me the, uh, the bow, you know, like I'm not worthy bow. And uh, it was just, it was such a, a, a cool thing, you know, like even the next day on, on Rome's Burning, I don't know if you've ever seen Jim Rome uh, yep. show yep. on, on HBO, but uh uh, he stated in his show the next day uh, that uh, uh, I was the only face painter in the NFL he respected. So I, I don't know if that was an insult or a compliment, but uh, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment coming from him. At least he's not calling me Chrissy. Okay. Uh, Sid Davies, our guest here. we got uh, 26 minutes. I'm going to ask a few more questions. I'm going to kind of do a roundtable. And 
uh, unfor- you know, well, not unfortunately, but, uh, you know, big swing. He'll tell you who his team is allegiant to and granny and everything, but we'll get into that in a second. But uh, And from that day on, that was known as the Moss Toss. I mean, you know, in, in Green Bay, they It was, had it was that, known as, as the cheese-free leap. <laughs> you know, well, you know, because out, uh, out in Green Bay, you know, those sissies have that Lambo leap. You know, they have to use a ladder to get up in the stands, but all the Viking players got to jump Their the stands are only like four feet, hall, four, four feet high, and they, they jump up backwards. Even a lineman can get up those things. In Minnesota, our wall was 10 feet high. You know, like... Uh, it wasn't an easy thing to make that jump. I remember one time I jumped over the wall myself, and then I tried to jump back up the wall. I couldn't do it. I had to walk around and go up the stands to get back up to my seat again. Uh, Sid Davies, I guess, here. we got 25 minutes. Uh, like I said, I'm going to ask a few more, and then we'll do a roundtable. I'm going to come back and ask you some uh, kind of off-the-wall, some uh, cool questions, and uh, actually how you and I met by accident, actually. Uh, so... Now, do you uh, you go to you're a season ticket holder, right? And you live in British Columbia, so that's got to be a heck of a jaunt to come from British Columbia all the way to the cities, isn't it? Well, my my first 29 years as a season ticket holder, I lived in Winnipeg, Manitoba. It's just the last six years I've lived in British Columbia. I retired six years ago and I uh, moved to to BC. And now, uh, you know, like I used to drive 500 miles to Minneapolis and 500 miles back, so I had a thousand Icon, mile that's, road. That's your favorite city, Icon, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah, it's a, well, it, it, uh, it, it was a good place to be from. It gets a little colder well, in the wintertime. Right. But, uh, well, you know, BC, where I live now, is like the most beautiful city in Canada. Well, you know, the only good thing to ever come out of Winnipeg is uh, Sid Davey, of course. Uh, the gold eyes are not one of them. Uh, <laughs> well, Bud Grant coached the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, at the four Great Cup championships, and he also played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And when he played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, he still holds the record for the most interceptions in a uh, playoff game. He had five interceptions in one game. And uh, Bud Grant also holds the record for uh, most times coaching without a jacket on during the wintertime as well. And he also played for the Minnesota Lakers and won an NBA championship with the Lakers. Who eventually became the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, for everybody who who thinks that the Los Angeles Lakers started in Los Angeles, they did not. There is no lakes in Los Angeles. They started in Minneapolis first. And the Dallas Stars came from Minnesota, too. They were the, the Minneapolis North Stars or Minnesota North Stars. Uh, well, let's see. We'll, we'll kind of do it around table. We got uh, Sid Davey. We got about twenty-three minutes. Uh, Granny, uh, uh, he's not. It's not really a heel or uh, uh, baby face or heel guy because he's to me he's a baby face. But uh, that's a wrestling term. Sid, uh, what? Uh, go ahead, Granny. What do you got for our guest here? Go ahead. Well, well, I'm just enjoying listening to this interview. I mean, you know, I really. I'm just trying to think of a really good question to ask him. I mean, well, how about uh, uh, playing your team? How about a question like that? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a chief. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I love my Chiefs. So, so I, right. I haven't had a chance to look at the new schedule yet for the upcoming season. I'm wondering if we get. If the Chiefs get to play Minnesota this year, actually, no, uh, I think they play. Don't all our teams play each other this year? 
No, not the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't play the Vikings this year. No, my team oh, plays I, both of my team plays both of yours. I didn't think so. Yeah, I didn't think so, but I wasn't sure. So. Yeah, my team uh, plays well, plays both of yours, and you know it's funny because Icon is still a little bit bitter. Uh, about my team from a trade that happened before I was even born. Well, I think I was born, but I was very, very young for it. Um, and, uh, and and my team has perhaps one of the most iconic uh, locker room phrases in the history of the league that happened in 1992. You did one hell of a job, and the only thing else I got to say is, how about Jim Cowboy? So I have to say it's, it's my, 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 mom, my mom always says Don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys Yeah well it's <laughs> it's, it's been a it, It's been a tough 26 years let's put it that way It really has um, but I think Icon is still um, well, A little salty about the Herschel Walker trade I think he still, he still is uh, uh, I'm saltier about The uh, 1975 Drew Pearson pushing off uh uh, to win that uh, that that game against the Vikings, it was the best uh, yeah, team we ever had. We should have uh, won the Super Bowl that year. We should have actually been to five consecutive Super Bowls during that string. But uh, uh, that push off cost us the game. They did not deserve a touchdown. They deserved a penalty. And uh, uh-huh. and that, that, that's when the referees actually started started hating the Minnesota Vikings because uh, after that play, one of the referees got a whiskey bottle in the head. Oh, geez. Well, you see, I was born in 88, so obviously I, I, I've heard of the catch. Obviously, I wasn't uh, alive to see it. Um, however, I, you know, I, I have heard of it. I've seen video clips of it and things. So that's a very good point. I didn't even forget. Uh, I totally forgot about that one. Uh, one moment I will give you guys, Icon, because I know you're jumping at the bit to, uh, to ask some more questions. But being a sports fan and a sports broadcaster, uh, play-by-play broadcaster, as well as a sports talk radio host here in New York, of all places. I mean, I live, I live and work in New York, but I'm a Cowboys fan, so it just shows you how, how much crap I have to deal with on a daily basis. But um, the one thing that still sticks in my mind uh, that I still remember as being one of the coolest moments that I got to witness as a sports fan, I didn't care about either team, but as a sports fan, uh, was a few short years ago, in the Minneapolis Miracle, the Stefan Diggs uh, catch, which I thought was was really really cool, was a really special moment, uh, and and was um, something that you know if I were a Vikings fan, I, I you know would have been losing my mind. Uh, but but yeah, I, I remember Icon. We came on the air the next day, um, and, and was super super excited uh, about that. So that I, I will give you that the Vikings have been uh, you know. And we, it seems like we play them every year, it seems like now. Dallas and the Vikings, it seems like the last four years in a row we played you guys. So we've had some pretty well, special Dallas, moments. Dallas and, plays us this year on Halloween on Sunday Night Football. Yep, I, I got it right on my calendar circled. <laughs> yes, Can't sir. wait for that game. That's going to be a good one. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, my buddy's a Giants fan, and he's all excited because remember when we played you, um, not this past season, I believe, but, but two, two years ago, um, the guy who killed us, absolutely killed us. We couldn't stop him to save our lives. Actually, it might have even been last year. I don't know. All, all of the Cowboys suck it blends together for me. But uh, Rudolph, your tight end, has been, you know, a Cowboy killer. He's now a Giant. And my buddy's a Giants fan and, and is all excited about that. But um, 
I, 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 I actually wanna, heard I, that they, I, I heard they actually cut Rudolph because he didn't pass physical. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to give him crap about that tomorrow if that's the case. But I, uh, I do want to ask you, and I'll let Icon finish here, um, from a non-biased sports fan opinion. I know you're like the super fan for the Vikings. It's like I'm a super fan for the Cowboys. Um, so obviously we, we want to be optimistic about our team going into every season. But from a, if you take yourself out of the fandom for a minute and you look at the team as a non-biased party, uh, what do you feel about the Vikings' chances this year in that division and, and in the NFC in general? I think the Vikings will win the division hands down, especially if Rodgers well, is out of it. Uh, th- th- yeah. This year, the Vikings, uh, their, their, their defense is just going to be absolutely amazing. They're going to have the best front line in football. You know, they just got uh, uh, Sheldon Richardson back. Then they got Michael yes. Pierce, who they picked up you know, from, uh, from the Ravens. And they got Delvin, Tam- uh, Delvin Tomlinson, and uh, and of course uh, uh, the the biggest one of all is you know is the resigning of Hunter. You know, getting yeah, him yeah. back. Uh, one, yep. And uh, he, the, the guy's just a, just a freaking beast. He's the I'll best tell you who's amazing. As much as I love, as much as I love Zeke, and I lo- and I got my twenty one jerseys hanging in my closet. As much as I love Zeke, I will give you this: Delvin Cook is an animal. He is an absolute. Oh, yeah, no he, he's a different, different kind of running back for sure. And, so and, and Jefferson, Jefferson for for a wide seat receiver last year was his rookie year. He had a better yes. rookie year than Randy Moss did. Oh yes, yes. I, I, he, I, he broke Randy Moss's yeah. records. Hmm. And he's only going to get better. So yeah, the Vikings oh, yeah, should have absolutely. a solid squad this year. Yeah. And and wow. and the Vikings, uh, you know, offensive line, uh, you know, their first round draft choice this year, they they picked up a left tackle, you know, and uh, you know, so they, they, their offensive line is fixed. Their defense is going to be back to you know one hundred percent this year, you know, and uh, you know, they, they, they also they also picked up you know uh, Patrick Peterson, you know, and they got Mackenzie Alexander back. So and you know Harrison Smith, he's the best safety in the NFL. So like, to be uh, absolutely honest, uh, though, I, I, I think that the Vikings' success, and I said this on, on my radio show um, the other day, actually. It's, it's weird that we're talking about the Vikings now, and we talked about the Vikings the other day. But I think the Vikings' success hinges um, not solely, but it, it, a big part of it, on whether or not Aaron Rodgers plays this year. Because, yes, I understand that. You know, over there in in, in the green and yellow territory, they don't necessarily have big-time wide receivers. They got Devontae Adams and a bunch of no-names, but they do have, as Stephen A. Smith says, that bad, bad man in Aaron Rodgers who just always seems to get the job done. If Rodgers holds out, doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore, doesn't doesn't want to play, obviously I think it'll be a hands-down for the Vikings to win the division. I still think they can Absolutely. win it with, with. I still, I still think they can win it with Rogers playing. I just think it'll make it a lot tougher. Uh, I think the Bears are a couple years out, and obviously the Lions are in complete rebuild mode. So I think it's really just Green Bay you got to worry about. But it really all depends on if it's Quinn Love or if it's Aaron Rodgers. Well, if, if Rogers doesn't play, they don't, they don't stand a chance. I heard Love is oh, just yeah. sucks. Yeah, oh I hear yeah, that's what I heard. Terrible. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yep. Yep. And, and they uh, traded up to get him in the first round, which is why Rodgers is Yeah, was not nice. Hey, <laughs> but, but anyway, Icon, I'll, I'll let you. I know you're chomping at the bit here. Uh, Sid Davies, our guest here. We've got about 14 minutes. So I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to kind of uh, take uh, ask you a few questions now. 
and then I'm going to ask you a kind of a funny question. You'll have to let me explain it when I ask it, but uh, sure. it did actually happen between the two of us. Uh, now, when you are getting ready for the game, how long does it take you to get ready for the game, and do you wait till you get here, or do you drive down uh, as uh, the big Viking? No, I don't drive down. Uh, I uh, It takes me 40 minutes to get ready, and I drive down on the – on the Friday, when I used to drive, now I fly. I actually, actually now I, I drive to Seattle, and then I fly from Seattle to Minneapolis. So my trip is, uh, is, is uh, instead of 500 miles each way and, and having a 1,000-mile round trip, now my trip is almost 2,000 miles each way, and I got almost a 4,000-mile trip every, every game that I go to. And uh, uh, I come out on Friday, and I, uh, I come home on the Monday. So uh, on uh, on Sunday, I, uh, it takes me 40 minutes to paint up, and uh, I'm ready to go, and I'm out uh, tailgating at 7 in the morning. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're the only one uh, that they really allow to bring a uh, sword and a shield uh, into the stadium, also a sign that says cheer or die. Uh, cheer or die, he retired uh, in 2001. He used to sit uh, seven seats away from me back in the old uh, Metrodome. Uh, we were both in section uh, 101, row one. Uh, I was in seat uh, 13, and I believe he was in seat uh, 17. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, a very good friend of mine. Uh, he had a son, uh, Graham, and uh, after his son was born, he, uh, he hung up the horns, and he hasn't been to a game since. Now, uh, also, you, uh, and also, uh, of course, you, every, all the fans will think I'm saying this just because it's you, but, you know, my two favorite Viking fans are you and Amber Nicole Reynolds. I know you know who that is. Who? Amber Nicole Reynolds. Amber Nicole Reynolds. I can't really say I do. Yeah, she's, uh, she's what is she, Lady Viking, I believe? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. yeah, Amber, yeah, I knighted her, yeah, she's part of my Viking World Order, I, 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 I didn't get the Amber part in there, oh. I just got the Reynolds part, sorry about that, yeah, she's, she's a very cool, she just had a baby. Oh, that's awesome, and, uh, yep. yeah, she's a, she's a good friend of mine on Facebook, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, yep, well, very she's cool not girl. on Facebook now, but, uh, now, the other thing I was going to ask you, well, we got Sid Davey here. We got, uh, unfortunately, we only got 11 minutes left because uh, I was kind of hoping we'd have a lot longer. But it, you know, uh, maybe uh, during the season we can have you on again, especially after uh, the Vikings destroy the Cowboys. We'll have to have you back on for that. We'll have you call in or something. Yeah, that'd, that'd but, be a uh, good gloating game. Yeah. So my next question is, uh, uh, and I would I would like to know this: how one can get knighted into the Viking World Order? Because you can ask anybody here in North Dakota who the one fan that's never jumped off the bandwagon, broken his ankle, jumping off the bandwagon, is me. I stuck with our team through thick and thin, no matter what it is. So how does one get knighted into the Viking World Order? Well, to get knighted into the Viking World Order, you know, it, it, takes, it takes over a year. Uh, first, you have to become a prospect. You, know, uh, you have to get uh, nominated by, by one of the leaders. And then uh, once you're nominated, uh, uh, a year after you're nominated, uh, a vote is taken on you, uh, whether you'd be allowed in. Then you have to get a Viking World Order tattoo. And then after you get the tattoo, then you get knighted in. 
Awesome. So it's well, not, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not an easy process. I'm up for the challenge, man. I, I would love, I would love to get knighted into that. Now, my other question uh, is: Now, have you? And I'll explain this after I ask it. Have you ever, uh, when you're in the, uh, like, like at the old metronome, they used to have a trough, right? Have you ever yeah. been John Wayne? Here's what I mean. John Wayne. What's that supposed to mean? Well, here's what that means. John Wayne many times would go into a restroom, a public restroom, right? And then uh-huh. he'd go and he'd use the stand-up journal, right? And then yeah. whoever was standing next to him would turn on him when he was peeing and say, oh, my God, you're John Wayne. John Wayne would come out of the bathroom many times with pee on his leg because someone would turn around and say, oh, my God, you're John Wayne. Has anybody ever said to you, oh, my God, you're Sid Damien? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been John Wayne? No, no one's ever peed on my leg, but I get I, I get a lot of people that are, are just happy to meet me. They, everybody in Minnesota knows who I am. I don't... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, come, I, was, watching Wayne, a, uh, I sure. was watching an ESPN documentary um, a little while ago. Actually, this was during quarantine, so it was a long while ago. But I was watching it, um, and obviously uh, our guests will, will definitely know this. Um, but, Icon, you probably will as well because, you know, you're a Vikings fan. Um, the, the new stadium, everyone talks about how great the new glass stadium is uh, up there in Minnesota, but your old stadium, the Metrodome, when the roof collapsed yep. in from the snow, uh, they were playing yep. the Giants that week. Uh, well, what was that like being a fan and, and being and living in that area, uh, for Icon living in that area, and for you being a super fan, uh, having your stadium that you've been to so many times, that you've been in the front row of so many times, that you've... You've, you've walked into basically being destroyed by Mother Nature. That's got to be a deflating feeling. Yeah, it was. And I was actually supposed to be doing an autograph signing that night at the Marriott Hotel uh, on the Saturday night before the game. And so, like, I was trying to fly in from Winnipeg because the roads were closed. So I tried flying in, and uh, my flight got canceled. And then uh, Saturday morning I finally was able to fly in. And then when I flew in, they said, oh, the, the, the roof caved in, and the game is going to be canceled and moved to Detroit. And uh, it was a back-to-back game because we had that game, and the following week we had the Chicago Bears game. And we have, when we have back-to-back games in the wintertime, uh, me and the wife, we, we fly down to Florida in between the games and go on a little cruise, you know, like on Royal Caribbean. We do a, like a five-day cruise from Monday to, to the next Friday, and then we come back to Minneapolis. So we had the cruise already booked and paid for. So uh, Monday came, and uh, the game was moved to a Tuesday, and uh, we flew out to Fort Lauderdale because we had the cruise paid for. So actually, that was a game I ended up missing because it was in, it moved to Detroit. And then uh, the following weekend... Uh, uh, we came back from the cruise, and we were, you know, we were expecting to see uh, the game inside, and the, that game got moved to TCF Stadium, and it was outside. And so we had no clothes, no no outdoor clothes to wear because, you know, we were used to watching the games indoors. So we had yes. to buy, you know, a complete wardrobe for outdoor, you know, long <laughs> underwear and, and wool socks wow. and, and, and uh, winter jackets. And, you know, I couldn't miss that game because uh, uh, they actually had me on the game ticket that game. 
So like oh, wow. I, I really wanted to be at that game. So uh, we, we came there and uh, we we kind of froze our butts off and uh, big snowball fights going on in there and everything. It was you know, it, it was it was pretty crazy. It was a cra- it was a crazy week all the way around there. That's for sure. I'll tell you. Uh, Sid Davies, our guest here. We got about six minutes. Now, uh, you know, as a Vikings fan, you know, Sid, you know, uh, in a couple things here, uh, and, and anybody listening to our show right now uh, that goes to our Off the Ropes page or our latest attitude uh, page, likes the page, either one of those, will automatically get qualified to win a autograph, picture, or card, in this case, from our, our guest this week or past guest. So, uh, and the... Uh, the uh, the wrestler of the week name is gonna, is going to be dropping here soon, so you have to keep listening. Now, of course, you know, Sid, you know, we've had uh, we've had a lot of heartbreak in in Minnesota. We know that, but we still love our team no matter what it is. But in your opinion, what was the most heartbreaking game that you witnessed? And I'll let you tell me yours, and I'll tell you mine. Well, the most heartbreaking game I've ever witnessed by far is uh, the 98 championship game when Gary Anderson missed that field goal against Atlanta. You know, he went the entire season without missing a kick, never missed an extra point, missed nothing. He was Mr. Perfect all year long. And what's he do? 19-yard field goal, and he pulls the damn thing. Instead of us having a 10-point lead with less than two minutes left, uh, the game was 7-7. Atlanta went down the field and got a freaking touchdown, tied the game up, and we go to overtime and we lose it. And I tell you, we, we, we thought we were going to the game. There was a guy that sat next to me at that game. He owned a radio station in Duluth. And uh, he said to me, he said, he said, oh, we've got this game won. He says, I'm taking you to the Super Bowl in Miami. He says, I'm taking you and your wife, like the guy was a multimillionaire. He says, you know, I'm just so excited. I'm taking you and your wife, and you're coming to the Super Bowl with us. And then we lost the game. And you know what? He never came back to another game. Really? Hmm. Really. Uh, That was it. He he gave up his front row seats, and he never came back to another game. Uh, Sid Davies, our guest here. We've got about four minutes left. Uh, You know, of course, for me, the biggest heartbreak that I experienced uh, you know, I, I've been a fan since I was born in 78, but uh, uh, 19, uh, 2009, the New Orleans Saints Bounty Gate game. And I've hated Oh, that was terrible. And, yeah, and uh, you can ask Granny and Big Swing to attest to this. Ever since that day, I've hated the Aints, and I've hated that worthless Drew Brees ever since then. Yeah, but Brees yeah, oh, had yeah. nothing to do with it. That, that, that was a defensive thing. That had nothing to do with Brees. Well, it had to do with their coaching staff is what it had to do with. And it had to do with the referees. And the referees, they just wanted to, they wanted the Saints to win that game. The Vikings had twice the yardage. The Vikings just kicked their ass from one end to the other. You know, like, oh, sure, Adrian Peterson, you know, you know I love him too. You know, like I used to catch him also after touchdowns. But, uh, you know, he had, uh, he had some fumbles that game that uh, really cost us. But uh, that that high low hit on, on Brett Favre where he threw the interception, like the, the, we, we we should have been kicking a field goal right there from like the three yard line. Instead, uh, they, they got the ball. They, they they had one pass that bounced off the field that they gave him a completion for because they didn't have any instant replay. Then it was it, it, that was the most disgusting game 
the worst ref game in the history of the NFL. You know, and, and, and I never felt sorry. I never felt sorry for the Saints a bit when that Rams guy hit the Saints and, oh, and, and just that. laid yep. him yep, out yep. there. I just thought, oh, that <laughs> just, that, that that's karma for you. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, I can. Um, for me, my my um, most heartbreaking game. Uh, obviously, I know it's off topic. It's not the Vikings, but obviously was the Tony Romo fumbled snap against Seattle. Um, but you guys had a pretty bad experience against Seattle too. I remember watching the game when you were playing in the University of Minnesota stadium. I believe this was when you were in transition to your new stadium, um, and they missed what was a what you know nine yard field field goal goal or something whatever it was it was late it was shorter than an extra point yeah yeah and they missed it against Seattle and lost by one point I I remember watching it was in my end zone oh I I I saw it perfectly in there oh my god how can how can you miss a kick from the nine yard line it was shorter than an extra point like oh I tell you that the luck we have with kickers it's just unbelievable. You know, uh, it, it, it seems my, like you know, it. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing that ever happened to Drew Brees, though, was when we gave him a receipt. I I can't remember who it was, but remember when uh, uh, we sent uh, Drew Brees to Suplex City? Remember that game yes. when he got Suplex? Or maybe, Are you I talking to me? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that game when uh, our guy suplexed uh, 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 Drew Brees? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's like here's your, as, in the wrestling term, here's your frickin' receipt. One hundred percent, one hundred percent cheese free. <laughs> well, okay. if you guys want to talk about wrestling, I'll tell you about wrestling too. Because the uh, wrestling started out pretty much in, in Minneapolis, like Vern Gagne and the and the uh, and the AWA, and uh, you know it was uh, it was uh, quite, quite the thing, you know, with Vern Gagne and uh, Nick Bockwinkel and the boys and the the Claw, Baron Von Roski, you know, like uh, that, that's where wrestling really started. Awesome. Uh, Sid Davies, our guest here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I usually ask this at the. Uh, I usually ask this, uh, but I don't know if you do. But if our fans want to check you out and see you, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch. What do you got? Well, I'm on. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook, of course, uh, Sid Davy, and then on uh, a Twitter, uh, Sid Davy. <laughs> Instagram, uh, 100% cheese free. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Sid, thank you for joining us tonight. You're awesome. And uh, would you be willing to come back on with us after the Vikings beat Dallas? That sounds great to me. This is our year, baby. This is the year the Vikings are going to do it. You just mark my words. This is our year. And we got it. All right. Thanks, Sid. Thank you. No problem. Skull Vikings! Oh, yeah, baby! Woo! (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I I think our next guest should be on already, I think. Yes, 718 area code. Yep. Yep. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, a man about town, a man in Hollywood. He is probably one of the big, awesome guys to ever grace the audience in Attitude Airlines. 
I give you Evan Ginsberg. Hey, this is Evan Ginsberg, associate producer of The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke and 350 Days with Bret Hart, superstar Billy Graham, and Three Dozen Legends. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. How are you guys tonight? Good. Awesome, Evan. Uh, Evan Ginsberg, I guess, here. We got uh, 28 minutes. Uh, We'll probably, we might go a little longer, uh, because uh, I'll, I'll uh, I can delay our uh, our third guest, but if you uh, Evan, if you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, and I'm going to ask you some questions, then we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll uh, come back and ask some tough questions on me. So go ahead. Sure. Um, I've lived in New York my whole life. I'm an old school wrestling fan. The first show I ever went to was June 24, 1974, because I'm 103 years old. The main event was Nikolai Volkov and Fred Blassie against Bruno Sammartino and Chief J. Strongbow, and I was hooked for life, and to this day, I'm still a wrestling fan, although Raw and SmackDown are penance for sins I committed in previous lifetimes. <laughs> and uh, from, from there, I moved into radio, TV, film, and... Um, we did the uh, wrestler in 2008, and very proud of it. Well, I'll tell you what you have. You have several different projects we're going to talk about, so we're going to kind of go uh, in order, uh, and then uh, as uh, as I as we have the topic, uh, then uh, Big Swing and Granny Hawkshire can t- uh, can chime in. But uh, let's start with the wrestler. How did you uh, How did you first uh, get involved in that? And uh, uh, that's the first question. <clears throat> Very, very simply, um, I was an agent, and I had Johnny Valiant and Nikolai Volkov booked for an autograph appearance, and um, the executive producer, the money guy's best friend, happened to turn up, and um, basically, that's how we connected. And uh, how, long, uh, how long was the production on that uh, particular movie? Well, well, the uh, from start to finish, it was a seven-year process. The actual shooting was um, only 35 days, seven five-day weeks. But there were five or six scripts and, you know, casting and fundraising and everything that's involved in making a movie. People have no idea. It was a seven-year journey. And um, ultimately, um, you know, Mickey's performance was iconic. And I'm proud to say that 100 years from now, people will be watching him because uh, he was perfect. The guy was perfect. Uh, Evan Ginsburg is our guest here. we got uh, 25 minutes here, maybe a little more. Uh, so now what was it uh, – now, was Mickey Rourke your first choice, or was there uh, others that were considered? Or I'll understand if you don't want to answer that. But uh, no, Mickey. Was Mickey was choice? always the first choice. Um, to be honest, his box office wasn't as strong. The film was done in two thousand and eight, and during that period, um, it was hard to raise the money that we wanted to raise. We initially 
wanted eighteen million dollars and ultimately ended up with six million which which is basically the food budget on the Avengers movie. So, so uh that that's actually considered um, you know, a low budget film by Hollywood standards and you know, Aronofsky's a genius and he's you know, a um you know, he has an indie film mindset and he was able to make the whole thing work and what would happen is we would actually film at indie shows and they didn't want us there. They didn't want us there. You know, we're interrupting their shows. So at one show they're really giving us a hard time and Aronofsky actually gets on the mic and goes, Guys, guys, you know, we're gonna do something you'll be you'll be proud of you know, just let us you know, shoot, and he would do two or three takes in and out, boom, like guerrilla filmmaking, because these guys wanted to watch wrestling. They didn't want to watch us filming a movie. So it, it was it was an interesting experience. Well, I suppose maybe they thought, uh, oh, geez, this could be like another Beyond the Mat thing or something. Uh, Evan Kingsford is our guest here. We've got 22 minutes. Uh, we're going to do a roundtable, and we're going to come back uh, to me and we'll ask you about your uh, your current project. But, uh, Grady, what do you got for our guest, Evan Ginsburg? Go ahead. Well, it's an honor to have you on our show tonight, and I've really enjoyed listening to you talk. And, I, you know, I remember seeing that movie, The Wrestler. It was really awesome. And Thank you. What was your one of your favorite things? I mean, because I'm a big, huge wrestling fan myself. And I mean, I love the independent shows, and I mean, I you know, Me like said, I'm not a wrestler, but I have you know, I have my gimmick name, you know, my original shirt says, "What you gonna do when Granny Holster goes crazy on you?" Because I holler at all the bad guys. I don't wear right. the heels. <laughs> right, right. So, what was your one favorite thing about that movie that you did? Well, um. The scene where Mickey says to his daughter, I'm just a broken down piece of meat, I think that's going to be one of those lines that live forever, like Brando and On the Waterfront, I could have been a contender. When he Mm -hmm. said, I'm just a broken down piece of meat, I looked around the film festival theater and everybody was crying. Everybody was crying. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, this works. It works. And, I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, We were at the Lincoln Center New York Film Festival when, when the movie came out, which is a prestigious film festival, and the place is sold out. And I'm sitting there, and I actually acted in a scene with Mickey, and it was all spontaneous. Uh, It was all improv, what I did with him. And I'm sitting there with my girlfriend at the time, and she's looking at the screen, and she's looking at me. She's looking at the screen. She's looking at me. She goes, that's you. That's how surreal the whole thing was. And when the movie ended, it was a spontaneous standing ovation and I I tell people I go that was the best night of my life because we worked on that for seven years off and on you know and that was like the payoff that people just appreciated the film yeah it was was it one of those deals that uh, Evan Ginsburg 
Embers, I guess, here we got 20 minutes. That was one of those deals that's like, okay, I'm going to put myself in the movie, or did you already have that part rolled out for yourself? The the acting part? Yeah. What happened was I was just standing on set, and Aronofsky gets this glint in his eye, and next thing I know, he calls me over. He goes, Evan, Evan, come here. And I go, yeah. And then he goes... It was that it was that really sad autograph scene, and he goes, "I want you to work the room, walk up to Mickey last, ask him for an autograph and a Polaroid." So Mickey walks over to me, whispers in my ear. He goes, "Just improv it." He thinks I'm an actor. I'm not, I'm not an actor. So, so um, I do exactly I do exactly what Aronofsky says. I walk up to Mickey last, and the whole time. I'm thinking, like, what do, what do I say to this guy? And and I go, I loved you as a kid. I used to see you at Madison Square Garden. Can I have your autograph? And he goes, what's your name? So, so I'm thinking for a second, and I go, Evan. You're like, how surreal this is. I'm playing myself in a fictional movie. And... Um, yeah, and so Aronofsky runs over to me, starts pounding me on the chest. He's going, that was great, that was great. And Johnny Valiant, who's, who is one of the extras in that scene, he says to me, do you know your hand was shaking? And I, I said, yeah, there's like 125 people watching me, and I'm not an actor. So, so the whole thing rang true. And, they, and like I said, when I was sitting at the Lincoln Center Film Festival, there it was. I didn't know if I was on the cutting floor or, or what. So a friend of mine said to me, he said, Evan, do you know that was his gift to you? Because that, that'll be there forever. You know, I'll be long dead and people will be watching that movie. So, it's a, it, you know, it really means a lot to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Evan uh, Ginsberg is our guest here. We're going to take a quick time out here uh, to let our fans know that uh, if you go to our uh, Facebook page, Off the Ropes, or if you go to uh, our Ladies of Attitude Era Live page, uh, you like either one of those pages, uh, you automatically get uh, um, you automatically get qualified to win uh, an autographed picture either from one of this week's guests or a previous guest, or if you really say something nice about the icon. Uh, you will get uh, get to choose who uh, you get an autograph from. Uh, so uh, Evan Ginsberg is our guest here. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest? We got uh, 17 minutes, uh, uh, and we'll maybe go a little over. Go ahead. Well, you guys um, pretty much covered, uh, you know, a, a lot of what I was I was curious about. Um, but in the movie as a whole, um, do you think that it? it hit you home a little bit more uh, being, you know, so involved in the movie, also being a wrestling fan. Whereas if you were a regular, you know, uh, you had, you had your, your same part you had in the movie, but you didn't watch wrestling or didn't like wrestling, but had to do this movie. You definitely think there was a a bigger impact um, by, by being such a fan like you were. Well, do you think you were able to direct it better and all that because you were a fan of wrestling? I took Aronofsky, the screenwriter, the executive producer, etc., so on, to indie shows for, for about six months and conventions. Okay. And conventions, bef- you know, before we even started filming, which led to 
revisions in various scripts, you know, along the way. And Aronofsky wanted it to ring true. And I think it did. I think it did. I, you know, um, Jim Cornette and other guys didn't like it because, you know, it, it portrayed us as, you know, down and out in trailer parks and stuff. But a lot of guys have not ended up well in the wrestling business. You know, really, um, we didn't want to... First of all, if you watch any of Aronofsky's movies, they always lean dark, you know? He oh, doesn't yes. do, like, rom-coms. His movies are very dark. So uh, right then and there, you knew it wasn't going to be, like, uh, you know, um, <laughs> happy, uplifting, <laughs> you know, film. True, but, yeah, it wasn't um, like a Disney film, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but what I tell people is if you watch Rocky... You don't have to be a boxing fan. If you watch The Wrestler, you don't have to be a wrestling fan because both of them only had 13, 14, 15, 16 minutes of boxing or wrestling. So I think it worked on both levels. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll enjoy The Wrestler. If you're not a wrestling fan, you'll enjoy The Wrestler. And, um, you know, that's what we were shooting for. Uh, Evan Ginsburg's our guest here. We got about 15 minutes. We'll probably go a little over. Uh, like I said, I can push us third guest a little bit. But so now, uh, Evan, uh, you have a new project going on right now uh, with. Uh, uh, well, kind of, kind of tell us a little bit. Sure, we have a full-length documentary called 350 Days. Um, Bret Hart, Greg Valentine, Tito Santana, Superstar Graham. Uh, George the Animal Steel. I mean, I don't want to bore you with a long list, but we have about three dozen legends in here. And the point of it was that wrestlers like the NWA champions in their day wrestled 350 days a year. Bret Hart told us he wrestled 330. Greg Valentine told us he wrestled 320. (laughs) So the point of the movie is These guys were away from their family pretty much every day, you know, almost every day. The toll that takes on marriages, your your relationship with your kids, your body, your psyche, um, you know, sorry, I'm working Starcade. I'm not going to be home for Christmas. Sorry, I'm working the Survivor Series. I'm not going to be home for Thanksgiving. Sorry, I can't make... Your wedding, you know, your oldest son or daughter. I can't make your graduation. I can't make anything. I'm on the road. I'm on the road. And that's basically what the movie's about. And, again, you know, you could be a a huge wrestling fan or you could not be a wrestling fan because, basically, it's, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it's um, what's it like to be on the road and, you know, following your muse, following your passion, but, you know, not having a personal life because of it. Now, uh, when do you have a release date yet for the movie? It's out. It's out. It, it's uh, as, you know, worldwide distribution. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, Tubi, Vudu, uh, any major cable system. I mean, it, it's it's easily available. Not on Netflix, but it's pretty much everywhere else. So, so it is. So it is on cable television now. Then. Oh yeah, all major, all major cable uh, systems should have it. 
And it's not and like I said. Called, you can, uh, you go, it's called 350 Days. 350 Days. Awesome. Now, uh, you know, uh, we want to thank, uh, you know, of course, one of our big sponsors is uh, SharpshooterFunding.com, uh, owned by Bret Hart. But what is it like uh, uh, hanging out with Bret Hart? Because, you know, there's been so many stories over the years about, uh, you know, his bitterness uh, on certain topics. But what's it like hanging out with Bret Hart? I was not at the Bret Hart filming, so... Uh, that you'd have to ask uh, the executive producer Darren Antola or the uh, director Fulvio Cesare um, but they spoke very highly of him they said they had contracted a two or three hour interview and they ended up being there all day and the guy couldn't be any nicer, more gracious and um, every step of the way the guy supported the film, endorsed the film, come out came out to screenings and you know, I can't say a bad word about him. The guy was nothing but, you know, supportive of the film. And uh you know, and we've had uh you know, we've had every you know, just about every member of the Hart family it seems like on our show and we you know, we can't ever seem to nail down Brett because he's uh he's always uh doing little projects like this but yeah, the, the the Hart family sharpshooter funding is one of our sponsors. So yeah, we, we're very familiar with them. Take a Bruce Hart's my buddy. I know Bruce very well. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bruce has been on here several times. Uh, do you think he'd be able to hook us up with the executive producer, uh, possibly, or uh, he, sure, uh, sure, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly ask. Yeah. All right, because uh, everybody's loving uh, everybody's loving you on the air. Uh, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and I'll, I'll get you the tally uh, uh, after we're done. But uh, Evan Ginsburg, our guest here, we got about uh, ten minutes, maybe, maybe a little more. But uh, so you, you, you did that project. Now, what else have you got cooking in the books, as they say? Well, it's interesting you said the word books because during the pandemic, when I was basically sitting home like under house arrest when they shut down New York City, uh, I wrote a book, and it's called Wrestling Rings blackboards and movie sets and basically those were my three lives that I've lived uh being involved with pro wrestling uh being a educator and also being involved in making movies so I wrote a hundred short stories during the pandemic year about you know my friendships with guys like Johnny Valiant, Nikolai Volkov, uh Larry Sweeney, you know, of Ring of Honor and Killer Kowalski, et cetera, so on. But it's not just wrestling. You know, it's about the making of the film The Wrestler, working with other film projects, um, you know, um, just basically living <laughs> sort of a uh, splintered life, you know, like, like I said, I, I was actually teaching the year we made The Wrestler, and I said to Aronofsky, I said, I can't take off 35 days from teaching. You know, I said, I, said I won't have a, a job to go back to. So I was basically working, you know, on The Wrestler weekends and every spam moment, and, uh, you know, it all fell into place ultimately. Well, you know, that's one of those deals, like, I wish I was your agent. I'd say, well, yeah, he, he'll go on for thirty-five days, and they can get a substitute teacher. You just gotta pay him. Uh, you just gotta pay him a million dollars, and you gotta uh, yeah. make sure he's got a limo to the set every day, 
and uh, make sure he gets to be first in catering, right? <laughs> yeah, C- catering is always interesting. You know, you sit and talk to these interesting, interesting people, uh, like Larry Sweeney, who um, also was a teacher, believe it or not. I don't know. Larry, Larry Sweeney, for those who aren't familiar, worked for Ring of Honor and was a great, great heel manager, and he killed himself, killed himself. It was um, very sad. Young guy, um, great, great performer. Yeah. That, that, is, that is sad. Uh, Evan Ginsberg is our guest here. We've got eight minutes. So uh, the, the book that you're writing, uh, do you have a release date set for that? Yeah, it should be it should be ready in August. Um, it's in production as we speak, and it, it's all it's all done. Basically, it's making it look pretty at this point. <laughs> you know, putting the pictures and putting the uh, book itself together, and um, there's going to be tons of wrestling photos in there from uh, some legendary. Uh, wrestling photographers, Dr. Mike Lano, uh, Dave Drayson, Brzezinski, who used to manage the original Sheik, you know, just tons of great photos, and um, and really just pouring my heart out, um, and a lot of it's about loss. I, I'm, I was sitting here watching a movie with my wife, and uh, the movie ends, and I go online, and there's a half dozen messages is it true about Johnny Valiant? I'm like, I'm like I don't know. And, and next thing you know, you find out, you know, one of your closest friends in the world was crossing the same street that he had crossed for decades in his hometown, and it was rainy and, and foggy, and he was run down. He was run down. Just, just the wrong place at the wrong time. The driver was not drunk. It was not the driver's fault. It was just a tragic accident. And, you know, uh, the shock of that. And um, Nikolai Volkov calls me from his hospital bed. This is a different story. Evan, I'm coming home. I feel much better. I had an infection. They cleared it out. And uh, I'm about to do a different radio show at the time. And five minutes before I go on, I get a call that Nikolai died. And I'm about to oh, do a radio yeah. show. And, and, and this is, you know, an old friend. And I'm just, like, shattered. I'm shattered. And by sheer coincidence, the other guests on the radio show are a blues duo. Blues. And I, I said, how appropriate. How appropriate that, uh, you know, my friend just died and we got guys playing the blues as we're doing this show. And, um, yeah, different vignettes, anecdotes from my life and the amazing people I've got to call friends, you know, uh, over the years. And um, and a lot of just funny stuff, too. I don't want to make it sound all tragic. It's um, two or three years, the anniversary of 9-11, it's like September 11, 2004, and, and I'm working a, a wrestling convention with Johnny Valiant, and we get on this little tiny 20-seater plane, and we look at the uh, pilot, and he looks like a terrorist. 
He looks like every bad guy from every Chuck Norris movie that you've ever seen. And we're looking at this guy, me and Johnny, and we're like, should we get on this plane? So so we're on the plane, and if you've ever been on one of these little tiny planes with, you know, there's like no weight to them. So every bump we're feeling... And we're like, we're like, this is it. He's taking us down, you know. And, and of course, we got back okay. And uh, the guy was just a rough-looking guy for whatever reason. And Johnny would tell this story forever afterwards. And, uh, you know, so there, there's, there's, there's some funny anecdotes in there as well. Um, and, again, it's called Wrestling Rings, Blackboards, and Movie Sets. Uh uh, Evan Ginsberg is our guest here. We got uh, well, we're we're we're, we're going to go a little bit longer because our, our our third guest will be delayed a little bit. Can you hang up with us for a little longer? I I, I could I could do this uh, forever, you know, as long as you need me. No rush. Yeah. Well, then here here's my next question then. Uh, and uh, Big Spring and Granny are rolling. And I was like, oh no, he just opened up a can of worms. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, now. Would you be willing to come back on uh, before the release of your book so we can pitch your book for you again? Oh, absolutely. Sure, sure. I, I enjoy this. And uh, you guys you guys are good hosts. And, you, you know, uh, sometimes you go on a radio show and there's like seven guests at the same time and everybody's talking over the over each other. You guys do a professional show. So uh, definitely. Well, well, you know, the only time we have uh, multiple guests on at one time is like when they have like the gals from Bad Diesel Magazine or when they have the, the gals from the Lingerie Fighting Championships, you know, because uh, uh, I'll admit I have incited a few riots that have uh, spilled over into the ring, and I, I take full uh, responsibility for that, but that's just the way it goes. So, there you uh, go. Now, you have, uh, uh, you have the book coming out. You have 350, uh, 350 days out right now. Uh, what else do you have uh that uh, you might be willing to hint us at that, uh, you know, if you need an extra or uh, something that would be a great uh, entertaining uh, spot for uh, your next project, uh, I'm down. I'll, I'll, I'll come down and be part of the movie. I'll, I'll even carry your bags. I'll get your, your, uh, <laughs> your, your, your I'll carry your bags. I'll tie your shoes. Uh, I'll get your uh, kielbasa from the, uh, from catering, whatever you need. I just want to be part of your next project if you have one. Oh, I, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Um, basically, over the COVID year, we've been nurturing various scripts. And um, it, it was basically New York and, and Hollywood and the world shut down. So um, we've been just, you know, working on various scripts and projects and, 2022 should be a big year because uh, some of these will come to fruition, and uh, I'm really not at liberty to speak about them yet because, <laughs> you know, it's they're just they're just preliminary scripts at this point. But um, because of the uh, pandemic, get plenty of time to work on things and. Um, you know, you're always optimistic. I mean, some projects blow up and they're huge, and other projects. Uh, we did a documentary, Wrestling Then and Now, years ago with Killer Kowalski and Nikolai 
Don Doctor Death Arnold, Homicide, you know, a bunch of you know, a bunch of named guys and uh didn't get distribution and you can watch it for free on YouTube or whatnot, uh Amazon Prime. Um but you know, then there's something like the the wrestler <laughs> where Mickey Rock won the Golden Globe and was nominated to the Academy Awards. So you never know with a project how far you're gonna take it or you know, in 350 days, like I said, we got worldwide distribution, which uh, doesn't always happen. So, you know, we're very proud of that also. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love, I, you know, I would love to come work with you. Of course, you know, Big Swing, you know, he's out there in New York. Uh, uh, maybe you can uh, let me have a part in your next project, and then he can carry your bags for you. <laughs> None. Nobody has to carry my bags. I don't. I don't. I don't have any kind of ego like that. That's like old school wrestling. You know, Harley Race carried somebody's bags. I forget who. You know, that's how they broke those guys in back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I can't old school. So, He's always been old school. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and some would say I have an ego. I I don't know where they come up with that. Uh, but I, I'm not I, sure. I don't know how, I, I at least know what the mute button is, but anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. We 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 got about we got a few minutes here left uh, with Evan. So with your uh, with your book, uh, you know, you said you wrote it over the last year. Uh, uh, can you tell us uh, how many uh, you know how many pages it is, and when you decided to do it, uh, and you sent off your first draft, and you got it back? Uh, did the publisher cut it down or? Uh, did they say, well, you can't include this, and you're like, well, I need this. No, here. no, no, there, there's, um, there's a, like I said, there's a hundred stories, but they're all short and sweet. Um, the, you know, so you're looking at about 400 pages with the photos. I mean, it's still going through production. That's a ballpark estimate, and uh, the stories are all one, two, three, four pages, and, um, you know, a lot of it, like I said, is, poignant um uh, you know about loss about losing friends um and just the amazing experience of having guys you watched as as a kid with like awe and wonder and now they're your friend and they're sleeping on your couch and you're doing shows with them and you're doing projects with them and um you know, it's it's almost surreal sometimes. Um, you know, it's really um, it's really been a strange ride the whole thing, and um, you know, I uh, I just found a few years back, three years ago, Johnny Valiant died. Next thing you know, Nikolai died, and during that same period, my childhood hero. Bruno died, and it was just like a one-two-three punch. I, I I didn't know I didn't know Bruno personally, but Johnny and Nikolai were dear dear friends, and um, it was just a very rough stretch. And you know, all, all of that's addressed in the book. Even Bruno, you know, as a kid, Bruno would walk down the aisle at Madison Square Garden in a pair of tights, you know, no blaring entrance music. No pyro, no no video. The guy would just walk down the aisle, 22,000 people, and the building would shake. The building would shake. 
uh, just sheer charisma. And, um, you know, the guy was a childhood hero. And he looked like Superman, even in his 80s. You know, oh, yeah. The guy was yeah, a, a great yeah, and I'm And it's like, it's like I, I have a very strange reaction when somebody like Bruno dies. I go, <laughs> I go, I don't stand a chance because that was Superman. That guy benched 500 pounds. If 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 they took him, you know, one day my ticket's gonna be punched. I always have that strange reaction when your heroes die. Same with Nikolai. Nikolai used to come on TV when I was a kid. He would have an apple in each hand and smash the apple. And this wasn't worked. He he was so powerful he could smash the apple with his bare hands. And I'll tell you a very quick funny story. Uh, we were doing a convent. We were doing a convention, and I, and 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 Nikolai would say to me, Evan, you room with me, cause you know the sheik is up all night partying. You room with me. So, so I, I I I'm rooming with him at, at some hotel. It's it's the crack of dawn. The guy's doing 300 push-ups with these old school blocks that he hand carved from the old country. Six in the morning, the guy's doing 300 push-ups, and he was no kid at the time. So then he goes, Evan, let's arm wrestle, okay? And I, I, know, I know this isn't going to end well. So, so I'm 6'2", 220. I'm in the gym all the time. I'm not a 98-pound weakling. I could not move this man one inch, not one inch. That's how powerful that guy was. You know, so uh, I, I love Nikolai, Johnny Valiant, you know, Kowalski. These were my friends, dear friends. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still hard to wrap your head around that they're gone because you turn on YouTube and or, uh, you know, Peacock, WWE Network, whatever, and there's so much charisma, you you literally can't absorb that these guys are gone. You know, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, Wrestling Heroes, of course. Uh, mine uh, will always be when we lost the Ultimate Warrior and uh, when we lost Roddy Piper. Uh, you know, those were my big heroes that we lost, you know. and uh, uh, if, there, if there's one story, though, I know you talked about Drew and you talked about Nikolai, but is there one story in the book that you're writing that uh, every time when, you know, you you go to write it and you just got emotional and it, like, took you, like, several days just to get through it because it was so emotional? Um, there, there were many. Um, I, my, my very close friend, and he worked, for the hearts, uh, you may or may not know him, Tiger Khan. Um, Tiger Khan died at age 33, and he was uh, like a brother. We were very close. And um, when he died, his mother gave me a necklace of his that says number one wrestler on it. And I wear it every day. And I'll be buried in that necklace. And um, yeah, when I wrote that, when I wrote the piece on Tiger, it was very rough, very rough. And uh, you know, just a beautiful person, beautiful person. And um, the uh, quote-unquote wrestling lifestyle did him in. 
you know, the steroids, the drugs, the, um, you know, partying. And, um, yeah, 33 years old, he went to sleep and didn't wake up. And it was, uh, I tell people it was the worst day of my life. And they go, worse than when your father or mother died? Like, they're shocked. And I go, yeah, yeah, because my mother and father lived a full life. And uh, Tiger was dead at 33. You know, it's just um, unbearably painful. So, uh, yeah. Um, and again, again, not to paint the grim picture of the book, because there's a lot of funny road stories, a lot of, uh, again, there's about ten pieces on the making of The Wrestler, things that have never been, um, you know, published before that people probably uh you know, won't realize. Um, just um, it's a it's it's a it's a mix of the good, the bad, and the ugly of putting your your time here on planet Earth. So uh, the joy and pain that we all experience. Uh, uh, Evan Ginsburg's our guest here. We got about uh, sixty seconds. So real quick, Evan, if our fans want to check you out, Steve, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got? Yeah, um, I'm I'm not hard to find on Facebook. It's Evan E V A N Ginsburg G I N Z B U R G, and I have uh, Evan Ginsburg's old school wrestling memories page, uh, wrestling and everything coast to coast podcast. Uh, yeah, it's not hard to find me, and um, yeah, please keep in touch, and um, you know, I appreciate all of you having me tonight. And uh, I will, uh, I will return the favor. I will join you on your podcast. Uh, if I didn't get called into work on Saturday, I would have been on it. Uh, I now know how Skype works, so uh, in the next couple weeks, I'll hook up with you, and I'll, I will come on your show like I promised. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, all you all you guys are welcome. We'll have a good time. And uh, yeah, if you want, I'll bring Brandy and Big Swing because you know you guys are fellow New Yorkers, so uh, you know it's awesome. But uh, we thank you, Evan, for taking time on your schedule. We know it's late there, so we want to thank you very much. And uh, we will definitely have you on again. I'll be in contact with you, and uh, we'll definitely uh, get the book uh, pitched for you <coughs> just for us release. Uh, my pleasure, and thank you guys for your support. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, buddy. Okay, have a yeah. great evening. Okay, bye, bye, bye. As well. Evan Ginsberg, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, that was a, that was a great interview, wasn't it, guys? It was. Yeah, yes, it was. You know, and uh, you know, I know our next guest is on, and I, you know, the the term in the rest of this about putting yourself over, but I mean, I cannot help but put us over for what we've done with our show and what we're going to continue to do and where we're going with our show. I mean, it uh, it started out with our humble beginnings. We're still humble. It's just that some of us have bigger egos. Uh, but, uh, you know, look at how far we've come and look where we're going to to where uh, where we started. Am I right, Big Swing? Yeah, seeing as I've, you know, been here since the onset um obviously it's it's different um i mean it wasn't ever really fully designed to be a full-on interview show we we, but we were happy when we got you know one person to call in and talk to us every couple weeks and now it, it seems like uh 
you know, people are coming to us wanting to be on. And that's that's what it is 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 transition to and it's just gonna go further from there. Yeah, you know the other the other quick thing I'll ask you that you can uh, answer that at the end. But uh, I just wonder if some of our former guys that used to be on the show with us, I wonder if they regret leaving us now. That's my question. All right, so I think our next, I think our guest is ready. I believe. So if you want to put him on, we'll yeah, go with it. Son, yep, yep. Do you think? All right, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, about to step in the ring right now. He is. Mr. Toughness. He is the KC man himself. He is Kevin Cordell. Well, hey, this is Kevin Cordell, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and granny Hulkster. Wow. Well, awesome. I think that's a, I think that's the biggest thing Granny's ever been put over, and uh, you I think that's so. Probably be, that's probably going to be your best uh, in ring interview to, uh, introduction too, isn't it, Casey? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. How's that? Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Uh, good. Good answer. Diplomatic. Have, uh, I like we it. Have, uh, we have Kevin Cordell as our guest here. Uh, we have uh, uh, we have about uh, I don't know about well. 30 minutes, give or take. Uh, if we go a little overtime, I don't know if we're allowed to do that tonight, but we'll we'll see. But uh, here's what we're going to do here. If you want to give us a little background about yourself, uh, and then we'll uh, ask you a few questions and have some fun with you. Uh, sure. Um, you know, uh, I guess at the end of the day, I'm just a fan. And what I mean by that was uh, seven years ago, uh, me and my college brother started a very small podcast while he was in South Carolina and I was in Louisville called Talking to Business, where we told stories. And we were extremely lucky because at that time, between Ohio Valley Wrestling, Rockstar Pro, and IWA Mid-South, or a three-hour you know, radius, we had this tremendous amount of talent that no one had heard of come on the show. Um, and we started building a lot of momentum as guys like, oh, I don't know, an Ethan Page, a Ace Austin, who we were actually his very first podcast, uh, very the very uh, former X Division champion, Trey McQuill, uh, former Impact Tag Team champion, Jake Crist. Um, along with so much young talent that was coming up at that time, we started to get a name for ourselves. And, uh, you know, I got a phone call one day um, that I was actually going to go to IWA Mid-South for a tryout as a ring announcer. Never done it before. Wanted to see if I could do this. Uh, about four hours before I was supposed to be there, I get a call from Randy Royal who is a former developmental wrestler for WWE when they still worked with OVW and told me, kid, you're on TV tonight. Get your ass to the arena. Um, what do you mean? Uh, you're ring announcing tonight. Randy, I don't know how to ring announce. Well, you're on TV, so you better figure it out. <laughs> okay. So I get my rear end down to the uh, Davies Arena, and for the next two and a half years, I was blessed to be the ring announcer for Ohio Valley Wrestling and do commentary for them. 
And then moved on from there to uh, ring announcing and doing commentary for IWA Big South, for NWA Spooky Mountain or Innovate Wrestling. And then actually got to book a company called Bandit Wrestling, which no longer runs, but, you know, they kind of have a history in East Tennessee because right next to the facilities, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Glenn Jacobs started their training school. And we had a part to do with that when that first started. So uh, I'm just a fan that's been really, really lucky the last seven years. So uh, now let me ask you this: You didn't get a uh, you didn't get a tombstone from uh, Glenn Jacobs, did you? Oh gosh! You know, the first time I met Glenn was actually before he became mayor. Uh, he was running. He was uh, in the process of before that started, and I was scared out of my pants. And I can honestly say, only two times in my life have I been scared meeting a wrestler. One was Glenn Jacobs, and one was Sabu. <laughs> and he's a very intimidating gentleman until he speaks. And then he's the nicest guy in the world. That's awesome. Now, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, you're talking about your podcast, speaking of humble beginnings, uh, you know, uh, I before you came on, you know, I kind of told everybody, uh, you know, how we started really. Uh, you know, we, we kind of started out the same way, and uh, we've grown it to where it is today. Uh, you know, and all three of us had our part. I mean, you know, Granny started out, uh, uh, she called in because we had one of her friends on, and, uh, you know, uh, she's now known as the voice of reason for the show, and uh, I'm known <laughs> as uh, the, I'm known as the voice of ego on the show, and uh, Big Swing is known as the, uh, well, I'm going to have to corral his ego guy, you know, so, uh, you know, we all, <laughs> we all have interesting parts, but, uh, uh, KC is our guest here. Uh, we have, uh, well, we have, I don't know, maybe 25 minutes left, give or take. Uh, we're going to do a little roundtable here. Granny, what do you got for our guest, Kevin Cordell? Well, it's an honor to have you on, and I, too, am a big, huge wrestling fan. I mean, I'm not a wrestler, even though a lot of people think I am. You know, I've got my own personalized <laughs> Granny shirt, what you going to do when Granny Hulkster goes crazy on you? I've had that gimmick name for over 20 years. But I've met some big names in my time over the years. Um, there was a company that ran in Arkansas where I'm from. I live in Springdale, Arkansas, called Traditional Championship Wrestling, and they used to do TV tapings. And we went to a lot of shows in the Fort Smith area, Clarksville, you know, things like that. And they still show the old reruns of TCW down in the Little Rock area even to this day, and they quit running in 2013. And I still have people come up and ask me, hey, aren't you that lady from TCW? Aren't you Granny? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. What has been your most interesting uh, ring announcing uh, job you've ever gotten to do in your career or one of your interesting um, ones I mean well I'll, I'll take two in particular um, I was fortunate enough to ring announce for an NWA heavyweight championship match which was obviously an honor uh, Nick Aldis and at the time Dave Lagana were there uh, got to spend hours picking David Lugano's vibe. But when wow. you kind of step in the ring and you see the 10 pounds of gold, 
and you realize what you're doing and how many few people have had that kind of opportunity, it's very humbling. Very humbling. And honestly, it puts a lot of pressure on it. That's the one yeah. time you cannot mess up. That's for sure. And then the other time would be, you know, IWA Mid-South has a ridiculously long history of over 26 years now. And their fans are known maybe as the most brutal fans not in Philadelphia. So I remember the first time I had to ring an ounce for David Starr, which is a five-minute intro to say the least. Um and when you've got a couple of hundred people screaming at you, don't F up, and you know if you do F up, they're going to let you know, no pressure. No pressure at all. That's Those will be the two wow. that probably stand out. <laughs> wow. Uh, Kevin Gordon, well, I'll I'll tell you, I've, I, I, I've had a lot of fun stories I could share just because I love to interact with the wrestlers. That's what I love about the indie shows. I get to interact with the wrestlers. And, you know, oh, I'm, I'm personal friends with Trevor Murdoch, you know, and awesome. and he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun to watch wrestle. I mean, he uh, – it's just I was blessed to get to set in on a couple of his training sessions that he did with an organization in Oklahoma called Wrestling for a Cause. I mean, they do shows for kids that have childhood cancer, you know, and, and oh, so it's, it's <laughs> fun. You know, some of the things that he said, you know, the second time he did it, he told the wrestlers, he says, he was telling the guys how to work the crowd. He said, go to granny, use her as your goal, make her mad, piss her off. <laughs> I mean, I've had wrestlers come to me and they say, granny, you better sit down and shut up before you break a hip or don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? Oh, I grabbed my key. I grabbed my keys out of my purse one time and I about hit the wrestler in his nose with my fist. I said, baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building. Well, I will. I will share this. I will. I gotta share this since you said that. Uh, one of the the men that uh, really influenced me a lot. Uh, God bless his soul. And Tracy, we miss you every day. Is obviously the wild eyed southern boy. Tracy Tracy's mother. mother's. Oh yeah, I got to and meet Tracy you at the TCW about getting show. Heat. Yeah. That man can walk into a building, and if he feels like it, he's not walking out of that building without getting stabbed. I have never met anybody in my life that can get more nuclear heat than that man did. Oh, yeah. I got to meet him at a TCW show when they were in Nashville. They opened for the Tennessee State Fair, and we got to go down to Nashville for a TCW show in Nashville, and he was there. He wrestled against the golden boy, Greg Anthony. Of course, Greg, uh-huh. I always call him I always call him the golden girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jesse hey, Bell, that's that his attitude. daughter. If he ever hears that, Tracy, we miss you every day, brother. We really do. We do, uh, we do, Miss Tracy, for sure. Uh, Kevin Cordell, uh, uh, Cordell's our guest here. Uh, Eddie, uh, uh, Grady, real quick here, who's the guy that you called to double dork? Double dork? Uh, the, 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 yeah, well, 
Yeah, David Smith is his name, but he goes by the definition of definition double D, but at WFC, I, I know this wrestler, I always call him Double Dork. His name is uh, name's Double D, but I call him Double Dork. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. And he told my he told my husband at one time at a WSC show. He says, "You know, if Granny's not hollering at me, I would be very afraid." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now, what was the question? We have uh, those our guests here. Uh, we have uh, 21 minutes of uh, regular time here, and we're going to take a quick time out here uh, to remind everybody, if you go to our Off the Roast page on Facebook or our Ladies of Attitude Era Live on Facebook, if you like either one of those pages uh, or both, uh, you're automatically qualified to uh, win an autograph from either this week's guest or a past guest or a future guest, or if you say something nice about the icon, I'll let you pick who you get. And... Uh, uh, so everybody be aware of that. And I don't know, Kevin, if you're able to do that or not, but uh, uh, you kind of you kind of tagged in for us because uh, unfortunately, Jeannie uh, uh, Clark, uh, uh, ex Mrs. Stone Cold, she had to go back to the UK uh, on a family emergency, so she was not able to join us tonight. So uh, I, I don't I don't know if you'd be able to do some uh, autographs with us or for us or not. I don't, I'll understand if you turn me down, but would you be able to, you think? No, I, I don't think that should be an issue. That'd be a couple of days, but we'll get, definitely get knocked out. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, uh, big swing. We have uh, Kevin Cordell as our guest here, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have uh, Big Swing ask a question. I'm going to come back and ask you the topic questions, but go ahead, Big Swing. What do you got? <laughs> no problem. Well, growing up being a – uh, WCW kid when all of my friends were WWF kids, um, just because my aunt's, you know, personal, uh, friendship, well, not, I didn't say friendship, but, but knowing Hulk Hogan, um, down in Florida, you know, I, I would always see the big matches be introduced, as you know, by Bruce Buffer, the famous, uh, boxing announcer. And, you know, it would always set the tone for the match. It had that big match feel to it whenever, you know, he would, carry out his words, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, boys, are, you know, and, and let's get ready to rumble, you know, that guy. He, he mm-hmm. was, he was, he just set up, even if it was a, a terrible match, which in WCW, a lot of them were, um, you know, looking back at it now, it just had that, it just had that big match sort of a feel to it. The WWE never really seemed to capture when it came to ring announcing. I never really paid much attention to the ring announcer uh, in WWF, uh, like I did in WCW. So when you come up in these kind of matches, I, I sort of heard what you did a little bit with the introduction when you came on, but do you try to lean more towards a, a Bruce Buffer's kind of a feel, or do you want to, you know, or do you have a, a style that's more mellow? Like, how do you, like, like how, how do you get people pumped up for your, for your matches? Like, what what is your style, and who are some of your, your mentors and your icons? Pun intended, of course. Well, I mean, it, if you talk about ring announcing, you know, uh, Bruce Buffer and Howard Finkel automatically, no questions asked. Finkel, okay. Saying hmm. that. All right. Um, Bobby Cruz, uh, you know, who's been with the Ring of Honor now for 16 years, is modern day, to this day, the best ring announcer in the world as far as I'm, con- you know, I'm concerned. And the reason for that is the exact reason you said. So when Bobby Cruz is in the ring, you know it's about to go down. You know it's a big match. 
and he uses a very distinct tone. Because at the end of the day, we frame the picture, the performers paint the picture, okay? Yes. Our job is to frame it. So I'm very much one of those guys where if it's a title match or a grudge match or a – uh, you know, no DQ match, whatever. Those type of matches, I'm going to be in the ring. Other matches, I'm not in the ring. Why? When you know I get in the ring, it's on. There is no question hmm. of that. It's a more elongated introduction, obviously. And I want, you know, I want the fans to know that once I step in that ring, you're getting a main event quality match. There is some importance to the story that's about to be laid out. And that's what we do. If you look back at Ring of Honor and watch Ring of Honor television, do mm-hmm. you see Bobby Cruz in the ring unless there's a title on the line? Uh, honestly, I, I, I never even really thought about that until you mentioned it. And now that I go back and think of it, no, no, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. So Exactly. Huh. Watch NXT. Yeah. When you see the ring announcer... There's a title on the lot. No questions asked. And I know, and like back in the day, and, and I think back in the day, um, there there always used to be a ring announcer for every match. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, one thing that WWF did, I think, better than WCW was whenever there was a title change, um, the it was the the post match. So uh, WCW used to highlight the upcoming match very well in their big matches. The end of the match, uh, you'd get, and I think Finkel was one of these guys as well as a couple others, you know, you'd have a title change, the crowd would be going nuts, and it's like the winner and new, you know, and I would would listen to that, and it would just just like give you chills because, you know, it was exciting. So I, I think each one did it a little better in that regard. Um, one was better before, one was better after. But um, when you get into the ring and, and you you know you, you do that, you you feed off the energy too, though. I mean, do you still do the same sort of announcement even if it's a flat crowd, or or do you kind of play off their energy? Well, okay, this is the deal. So in the indies, let's be honest, the ring announcer is not only ring announcing; you're the host for the. You're opening the show, you're talking about advertisers, you're talking about sponsors, things as such. You're during the, let's say, the break of the show. You're doing, uh, you know, putting over all the boys that are selling merchandise, uh, whatever um, uh, games or lottery being played, whatever. And then you send everyone home at the end of the evening. Okay? Uh. So saying that, you know, I try to use – me personally, I'm a very much a believer in each performer is their own business. And what I mean by that is they are their own character and their own product. And I try to put a uniqueness to it. And then, you know, if it's a big match and, you know, I'm going, and no, obviously, yes. I, I feed off the crowd, yeah, to an extent. You know what I'm saying? I'm there to frame the picture. So if the crowd's not into the match, am I going to try to pump it a little bit more? Most definitely. I'm the host. Okay, so you, you try to maybe make them, them be feed off of you a little bit, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, okay. yes. Okay, nice. 
See, I've always been more of a radio guy, play-by-play guy. Like, you know, I do the local play-by-play for uh, a college here in, in upstate New York. So I've always been more on that end, the, the quick-talking, describing-the-action type radio play-by-play. Um, you know, so obviously Jim Ross comes to mind as, as being one of my favorites of all time, as well as I like Giovanni as well. I made, hold on. This is the amateur Lawler guy or a uh, Gary Hart uh, guy. I don't do play-by-play. I tell stories. So let me be the color commentator. Let me run my mouth, which is probably what I do best. <laughs> you call the moves because I could not remember five million moves if I wanted to. I could not remember the names of all those things. It saves my life. But I'll tell the story that's being you know being told with the ring. I would love to. And, and that's the thing. I would love to be able to do you know, the ring announcing, because I know, like, you know, when I'm sitting at at the booth, um, you know, for one of the games and the guys doing the starting lineups and, and everything, and I'm like, wow, you know, like, that's so cool. Like, I remember the, um, in the 90s, uh, when the Bulls were the big thing, and, and they had their special, their special announcer who would do yep. the lineups and that, that special music and everything. The Bulls entrance was just so cool. I don't think it would have been the same uh, without that, just like WCW wouldn't have been the same without Bruce Buffer, WWF wouldn't have been the same. The matches wouldn't have been the same without Jerry Lawler or with Lawler and, and Jr. So I think that it plays such an important part. So I wish I could do it. I, I, I really do. The, the uniqueness. Cool. Yeah, and I, and I do want to add this in: the uniqueness and the difference for each product. To give you an idea, one of my favorite introductions: uh, Impact Star and former heavyweight champion Sandy Callahan. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I'm in a Midwest crowd and I'm going thumbs up and I'm waiting for him to grab that mic from me so he can scream thumbs down and you can feel the energy in the crowd, that's a very unique introduction just for him. <clears throat> and I try to give everybody a little bit something different, whether I elongate a name, maybe I accent something different here or there. Um, maybe it's like a David Starr, a five-minute long, or a Vance Warner, again, another five-minute long introduction, but something unique to their product, and that adds so much to it. And again, also, I'm telling the fans, if I'm using a certain voice, this is a baby face, and this is the heel. I'm letting them know just by my vocal cords. Cheer for this guy, boo this guy. Nice. Kind of like what Granny does. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, we have uh, 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 we have uh, Kevin Cordell our guest here. We have uh, we have about uh, eleven minutes left of uh, show time here. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few tougher questions now, and uh, I'll okay. understand if you don't want to answer because you know in wrestling we do have kayfabe. But uh, there you uh, go. And for, there our you fan, go. for our fans waiting for uh, the wrestler name of the week is Edge. So uh, if oh you, yeah, uh, keep monitoring. Yeah, if you keep monitoring on the ladies of uh, Attitude Are Live, I'll ask uh, everybody who that uh, was. You'll have to send me a message. And then you'll be automatically qualified to uh, win a uh, a prize uh, in our December giveaway. So uh, get on that. So now, uh, as a ring announcer, you know, you have to announce who's coming to the ring. And uh, at the end, you have to announce who's winning and losing. But 
Uh, now, do you you obviously know beforehand? If you, I'll understand you don't want to answer this, but uh, you obviously know who's going over and who's not. No, right? actually, I you prefer don't. not to. Okay, I will actually tell the promoter I prefer not to. Now, I were, want a natural reaction to my vocals. The only way to be so, natural is to not know. Right. So yeah, because I guess if you knew. Uh, you're like, okay, I'll just like sit here for five minutes and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, another thing that uh, they don't really do anymore. I don't know if they, uh, if they do in your, uh, when you're ring announcing, but you know, they always used to announce, uh, uh, this match is scheduled for one ball and has a 30 minute time limit. They, they don't do that anymore. Do they? It depends on the company. Um, I know certain companies, like, uh, they prefer um, five minutes gone, five minutes gone on this matchup um, to keep track of the time. Certain companies like to say, if I'm, if let's say when I was working at OVW, uh, TV time remaining or a 15-minute time limit. In the indies, no, they don't really do that much anymore. You don't see that as often. So, it, again, it, it, it depends on the company, and it depends a lot on the crowd. Um, what you're talking about with the times, I you're going to see a lot more of that in the South, I think, in Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia specifically, than you would in the Midwest or out west. Uh, we, we, have, have uh, we have it our, at our indie shows in Arkansas. The ring announcer will say, you, you know, 30-minute, you know, Schedule one fall and the crowd says one fall. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah, but they do that. They do that at the shows and even in Oklahoma, they they do that. You know the time limit. You know that. So yeah, it just like I said, it's uh, completely dependent on the crowd and the customers and what they're used to. Uh, Kevin Cordell's our guest here. Uh, we have uh, uh, eight minutes left to regular time. Hey, uh, Big Swing, were you able to go a little over or no? Yeah, I'm fine. Whatever you guys need. Um, when you say a little over, how far is a little? Like, well, maybe five minutes. Yeah, I mean the Yankees um didn't play today, so they uh we don't have any pregame or postgame stuff for them, so we should have a little bit of time. I mean we don't have you know 20 minutes because the ESPN commercials will cut us off, but we uh, we have a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll go five minutes after the mark here. Uh, so uh, I I just got to ask you a question real quick. It's kind of, it's kind of an ego question, Casey. Uh, 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 now the icon made you a cool collector's card. What did you think of that? I'm sorry, who I, I missed the question there. Uh, the icon made you a cool collector's card. Sent it to you on Messenger. What did you think of that? I liked it. <laughs> I actually really liked it. Um, and it, there's a funny story to that. Um, that particular photo that was used, um, Shannon the Dude, who is a huge radio personality in the uh, Kentuckyana area, um, had a, a t- I'm sorry, a radio championship. And he had happened to get his butt kicked that night. So I picked up the title at the end of the TV taping, was just taking it to the back, and ended up getting a bunch of pictures with it, which was hilarious. So, uh, 
I actually really like because, like I said, that photo something that means a lot to. So uh, when that photo was token, taking you to say, "Hey, look at this! I'm the new 24/7 champion." <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? <laughs> it's Ohio Valley Wrestling, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, obviously it's ran now by Al Snow. Um, but before by uh, Jim Cornette and uh, Danny Davis. Um, no, with that locker room, nope, uh, uh, I would not dare say that. <laughs> so, now, you, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, you, so you always have some interactions with Al Snow, who's been a guest on, uh, uh, well, he has been a guest on our show, but I did uh, help him uh, become a guest. Uh, you, you, you've obviously met him in person, right? Yes. Now, uh, did, did you also meet Jim Cornette, too? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> Many a time. So, did, let me ask you this, because uh, I do a great Jim Cornette. Uh, did he ever do this? Uh, did he say, we're going to the drive-up, and I want a cheeseburger, double mayo, double cheese, double onion, mother... You know? Oh, Wait, God. so, so does, does, um, does Jim Cornette know that you do that impression of him? Like, I mean, I, I kind of want, like... I kind of want Jim Cornette to know that you do that. <laughs> I don't know if you do. <laughs> I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> Mr. Ego wouldn't have an ego if Jim Cornette got a hold of him. <laughs> no, I really don't think so. And, and, you know, I think it would be hilarious. I, I'd have to hit the dump button pretty consistently and make sure we we're on a 10-second delay if we're going to stay on FM, um, obviously. But, but yeah, I, I I would be excited to hear it. I actually met Jim Cornette uh, before I got into wrestling through Kenny Bowen. Um, oh. And I've had many a dinner with Jim. Uh, and then, it actually, two funny stories. Uh, Jeff Jarrett ran a Global Force show in Owensboro, Kentucky. And that particular night, I went to the show, and Jim Cornette, uh, before the show, all the talent was signing autographs. So Jim Cornette's table was right next to the Young Bucks. And you want to talk about the most kayfabe hate. I mean, you could feel the heat walking anywhere close to those tables. Absolutely hilarious. Um, that was one funny, and of course, me and Jim talked about that afterwards. But then... The last time I saw him was, unfortunately, it was at Matt Capitelli's uh, memorial show at Davies Arena. Um, and, Matt, we miss you. Trust me, we miss you, my friend. Um, and Jim coming up, running <clears throat> to me, going, they closed the Sonic right down the street for me. Can you believe that? Oh, my baby got... Uh, when he gets on a roll about food, uh, Jim Cornette is something completely Wait, in so the world. Wait, so you both do, you both do the high-pitched, nasally impression of him? <laughs> I guess so, right? Wow, all right. I thought that was an icon thing. Jim, or, don't kill me. If you hear this, don't kill me. <laughs> or Jim Cornette would say, or Jim Cornette would say, he's a heel. He's coming out of a box. Mother... God damn. That, I promise you, he talks like that all the time. It is something wild. Sitting down and having dinner with him for the first time, I was like, you know, you hear the stories? No, what you see is what you get. <laughs> that is Jim Cornette. Well, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes used to say, you know, baby, we're we, we going to get this thing done in the ring, baby. 
and uh, I'm wearing these polka dots, and, uh, you know, I want to tell you something, you know. Those are the only impressions. <laughs> That's a good dust tape. That was a good dust tape. Uh, well, you know, I, when I was, uh, you know, I always used to, when I was a kid, I, I, no one ever really told, I, I've never really told the story because it's your time, but uh, I actually met uh, Dusty when I was six, mm. and I actually uh, tried to talk like him. I said, hey, Mr. Rhodes, uh, I, I'm, a big, uh, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, can you sign my, can you sign my, uh, my championship belt because I love you, Dusty, you know, you know. And uh, oh, that's you know, awesome. that was that was awesome. Uh, so now I, I do apologize for taking up uh, some of your time with that. We got uh, we oh, got six fine. minutes left here. So uh, uh, so our fans that are, are listening, uh, you'll have to download the last five minutes. Of yeah, the, just uh, remember it's show. it's gonna cut off on you. So the live feed is is gonna cut in about twenty minutes when the show is uploaded. You can go on Blog Talk and hear whatever is uh, is left over. So when when it cuts off, just know. You know, go to the website in about 20 minutes. And uh, real quick here, so our fans can hear before we do cut off. Uh, if our fans want to check you out and see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch? You go oh, tell me gosh. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, Kevin Cordell. I'm not a hard guy to find. And uh, like I say, I do appreciate, uh, you know, you uh, uh, coming on at the last minute. I mean, I know I've been talking to, to you over the last couple of months, but I do appreciate uh, you uh, coming on at the last minute. Uh, uh you know, like I say, oh, God, uh, guys, had... it's it's my honor, number one. And number two, if you've ever booked a show in your life, um, oh, things happen. The situations happen, and you're always thankful for the guys that are there to help out. You know, and uh, you know what I liked about the beginning, how you, you talked about, uh, you know, you started out with a, a podcast uh, in your humble beginnings, and uh, you've grown it kind of like what we did here, you know. It, it, isn't it amazing how things just kind of take off? Um, I didn't realize we really had a podcast that people listen to until we had DJ Hyde on the show. Um, and for those of you who don't know, obviously DJ Hyde hosts CZW. Um, and we had him on the week that Adam Cole debuted on NXT. Uh, when the Undisputed Era came down and, and kicked Galloway's rear end in New York. And he told... 35 minutes for the stories about Adam Cole sleeping in his grandmother's bed because he didn't have a place to stay while he was training at CZW. And that <laughs> wow. next week, we had like 12,000 listens in like eight different countries. And then I realized, okay, yeah. we have a podcast. Whoa, okay, well, what know, the it, hell? Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, we actually number one team. I'm sorry. You there? Yeah, you were breaking up. You're breaking up there a little bit, Icon. All right. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, we're we're number one in uh, Pretoria, South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and Doctor yeah, Doctor Division, Bangladesh. So uh, yeah, we're, it blows we're, your mind. You go, what the heck? And uh, I, I love all our fans in Vietnam. Uh, you know, eventually I want to, you know, uh, you know, like our podcast has been picked up by a, another radio station here. But eventually what I'd like to do is have, uh, you know, local promotions uh, pay to have me and Granny and uh, uh, Big Swing just go to their events and just do, you know, podcasts and stuff, you know. Uh, I don't know if oh, I'm going to go all the way to Ho Chi Minh. 
I, I don't know if I'd go all the way to Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I can't, don't, and, and don't take this the wrong way. Anybody who may be listening, um, you know, and, and, and think the wrong thing, but I'm, I'm not going to Vietnam. I, I, I'll go, I'll go a lot of places. I'm not going. You'd go to England. Yeah. You would go yeah, to England. Yeah. I, I would, yes. There you go. Yes. Yes. But I'm not going to Vietnam. Awesome. Um, and and it's nothing to do with anything bad. I'm just, I don't like the heat. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really a jungle fan, you know. So. And I don't want to go to Vietnam either. I, I, I don't have a passport, so I can't go out anywhere out of the United States. I don't have no passport. So. Uh, yeah, I have one of those enhanced, I have one of those enhanced licenses, New York State, like one of the New York enhanced licenses, so I can go to Canada. Um, there you, you go. know, cause, cause we border it, but, but I can't, you know, I, I'd need a passport for anything else. Yeah. So, well, you know, unfortunately there's, there's certain places in Canada. I'm not welcome. Uh, but anyway, Oh, I wonder uh, why all the things you've said about Canada over the years. <clears throat> oh, you didn't speak bad about Canada now. Oh, he ask well, him about his opinion on Winnipeg. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. So you're Chris Jericho's favorite. Uh, radio host, basically. No, uh, well, uh, I'll tell you what. The last time I was in Canada, the last time I was in Canada, I thought I was going to a Carnival of Science in Winnipeg. Oh God! Thank you, Big Swing. Oh my God! But yeah, well, he's, you know, uh, he's, I, I he's. I'm a fan of Montreal. I mean, literally here in Albany, New York, I'm only a two and a half hour straight shot north to Montreal. So, um, well, you know, it's I, a great I city. I spent time so. in Watertown, so I know exactly where you're at. Okay, yeah, I'm in Albany, Albany area. Yep. So. Yep, and I used to live in Watertown, nice. so I know exactly where you're at. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Nice. So. Uh, but anyway. Well, so you know, so actually, we've had a we've had a bevy of New Yorkers on tonight. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. You know, Evan Ginsberg, you know, he's from New York, and uh, Big Swing's from New York, and you're from New York, and, you know. Uh, actually, I, and I, I, I'm, from, I'm from South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina. Right. I grew up in El Paso, and I spent time in New York. That, that's to be fair. Oh. Um, but my oh. childhood, I actually grew up in El Paso, Texas. Um, WCCW fan to the day I die, Gary Hart, Gentleman Chris Adams, Chico Hernandez. Those were yeah. my guys. Now, uh, you you still have your you still have your podcast, don't you? No, actually, uh, we stopped it. Um, I was working fifty hours a week, doing at least two hours of live television with OVW, uh, doing the podcast, and then doing another show for OVW a week. And I eventually had to throw up my hand and go, whoa, whoa, whoa! I can't handle all this. Yes. So we actually ended uh, the podcast with a show with Paul Burchell, former WWE star, and um, that was the last show we did. And that was, I want to say, three years ago. Uh, well, you, you obviously got to miss it, though, right? I do and I don't. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of work. I don't think people realize that. Um but what I do miss is, you know, again, you know, we told stories, and we let guys come on and talk about life outside the ring. And some of the shows that we had with uh, Impact Star, like a Larry D or Trey McWell, 
and they really opened up about the hardships of a wrestler, the traveling, the being away from the families, not being there for birthdays or funerals or things as such. And those type of things. Um, you know, we were actually uh, one of MJF's very first podcasts. Um, and he talked about his time in college and getting kicked off the football team and things as such. When you, the real life stories and being able to share those with the audience, that I miss most definitely. Well, you know, we kind of have a claim to fame too. Uh, we, uh, uh, in Big Swing, uh, I'll let you do the name drop, but uh, we okay. actually was uh, an interview for uh, a gal that debuted in uh, uh, AEW. Yes, we were the very first interview, or at least professional interview, uh, of her of her wrestling career, uh, and it's an AEW um, name. Again, I haven't seen her name in a while. Of course, I haven't really had time to watch AEW, but her name was uh, Kenzie Page. Oh my yeah. God! You realize I introduced Kenzie the very first time she ever met Doctor Tom Pritchard, right? Oh wow! No, I did not know that. Okay. She trained in Knoxville, Tennessee with Dr. Tom and Ken. So when she wanted to get into wrestling, Dr. Tom was starting the school. She came to a bandit <clears> show, <throat> and I actually introduced the two of them that evening. The first time they ever met face-to-face, I introduced them. Kenzie is an oh, outstanding wow. young lady. Out yes, yes, she is. And, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, she was 17 when we interviewed her, and uh, – yep. uh, I I don't know if you uh uh you I'm I don't know if you met her before or after uh we had her on but uh I would have probably was, met her afterwards because she was only yeah, sixteen when she started training. All right, so then she was probably bragging about being on the podcast with the icon. She was probably you probably knew about me yet because I know she was bragging about. Me. <laughs> there you go. Oh, sure there she you was. go. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what, Kenzie is a big-hearted girl, and I have. She, I have actually had conversations with her, and she's talked about different podcasts she's been on. So, And I will tell you, if you guys like Kenzie Page, there is a young lady down in Indiana. Her name is Alice Crowley. Okay? okay. Her and Kenzie are having some of the best matches in the indies for female wrestlers. One is 17, one is 18. And to tell you how good Alice is, okay, she's already competed in the Tiffany Invitation. She's already had the likes of Evolve look at her when Evolve was still around. And Evolve was going to sign her until they found out, oh, my God, she's only 17. We can't. That young lady huh. has a chance to be the next Becky Lynch. Mark my words. You heard her here first. Well, you know, I've been, uh, I've been, trying, to, I've been trying to contact her and try, her, try and get her on the show. Uh, you, oh, okay. Uh, do, you have any con- do you have any contact with her at all? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to ha- I, I met her on her second match ever in her career. Again, I introduced her to talk to Tom Pritchard. She came down and worked for me at Bandit. Um, I talked to her father on the phone once a week for about three years straight. So yes, I do. Have, <laughs> I can get you a hold of Alice. Not a problem. Well, yeah, if you can get me hooked up with her, I, I, I've been like I said, I've been trying to get her on for a long time. You know. Uh, oh, I'd love so, yeah, to. Not a problem. And let her know that I will get her a collector's card as well. And, uh, you know, I'll even get her an autograph of the icon that I'm sure that uh, would be her number one uh, thing, you know. 
There you go. There you go. You're talking about a 17-year-old girl that's gone in the ring with Michael Logan and gone 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy. That's enough said, no questions asked, right there. You that just went 20 wild. minutes with Michael L. getting your 17-year-old female. That's insane. That That is cool. Well, uh, I suppose I think we got to just about wrap this up. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, like I say, I, I do appreciate you uh, you coming on and tagging in. And uh, you've been awesome. And uh, hopefully uh, we can have you on uh, again. Whatever you can do uh, anytime, for, guys. for our giveaway, we'd appreciate it. And uh, that's hey, awesome. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I would love to be on, and we can talk about some uh, old-school OVW and Jim Cornette stories or some Ian Rotten stories and have some fun. And, and I, kinda, I, I think I'm going to uh, – I think I'm going to record a soundbite of um, Icon doing his Jim Cornette one day and just call into his podcast and play it and then hang up and see what happens. But anyways, <laughs> there you um, go. So, so, yeah, we do got to bounce, though, Icon. They are, they are trying to play their station <laughs> commercial, so – all, All right, guys. well, Thank everybody you so much. check us out next week. Uh, the new content for who's going to be on next week will drop on Thursday night or Friday night. So everybody check us out on Off the Ropes on uh, Facebook and also be oh, yeah. monitoring ladies of Attitude Era Live because we have a new set of groupies. I hit that prematurely. My fault. Keep going. All right. Yeah, we have yeah we have a new set of groupies, uh, ladies of Attitude Era Live. They all love the icon. Uh, so check them out. All right, next week. Same time, same place. Dead man walking. You got it now. You got it made up in the day. And I can't allow you to think you can just walk away. So turn around and face the piper you're gonna pay.